getting back to my team and the culture, I hope they know how much I appreciate them. And no, they have families. They have kids at home. They're sacrificing their personal time. We're not doing it for practice. We're doing it to make a living. There are other people that I see have caught the vision, right, of where we can be. Can see what this company is becoming and what can be in the next five years. They want to be a part of it. There are people here that are making choices every day for the benefit, not necessarily of for their career or praise or to be the boss's favorite, but to help the company, Kilwin's brand, be something they can be proud of. Welcome to episode 110 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I speak with Tyler Farrell, who is owner of Kilowin Construction. And for those that have been watching uh, Dream Home Makeover on Netflix, Tyler's on Netflix. He works with Shay and Sid McGee from Studio McGee. And what's amazing about this podcast, Tyler's actually a good friend of mine. We were in college together, fellow alumni, and we were able to dive down how he built his business. You know, the value he puts on his employees, how emotional that is to him, and how that generates to the success of the company. And we also spoke about how did he get his start? How did that uh, turn into what he's doing now with Netflix? Where did that opportunity come from? And how important it is for us to not only envision our dream, but how do we chase it? How do we create those steps to get there? And he shared some valuable information, very personal, about the show, about his relationship with Studio McGee, and about his rise to the success he's having now. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And today we have Tyler Farrell with us from Killowin. So welcome, Tyler. Thanks. Glad to be here. Phil, I'm yeah, worthy, I, but here I am. Oh, you're more than worthy. So just a little <laughs> background. Tyler and I were in college together, fellow alumni, and now... You know, we've we've uh, been friends for many years, and it's been awesome to see your journey as you've you know started your company, and now you're my claim to fame, you know, Netflix star. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, but, and and I know that TV makes things look so perfect, right? I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, TV makes it seem like you have no issues, Tyler. And I'm just sitting here scratching my head, wondering how is that possible, considering I'm dealing with like more stress I've ever had in this industry in my entire career. So I guess with that said, I know the, the reality of this, I mean, what are, what are some challenges that you're dealing with right now? I'm glad you said that because from sitting on this side, I think you have it all together. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I think any of us some, I work with some fantastic companies, you know, architects, designers, uh, you know, collaborations with other builders. I really don't think any of us have it together. I think it's how we, tackle those challenges right so it's kind of like with our parents right we thought i thought when my parents were 40 they knew what they were doing (laughs) but i'm just doing the best i can and uh i would say the biggest challenge i have right now i mean i don't think it's um you know just our industry right the whole end of the world last year and just the pandemic problems the supply chain the um the the labor shortage all that stuff i was just thinking today because i knew i was going to be on here and i had a feeling this might be a question the biggest challenge i have right now sounds totally bratty but it's like what opportunities do i want to take advantage of because right now we're so fortunate in construction even the bad builders are busy but i think I have I have a lot of employees now and I feel a burden to pick the best path for them because I have so many great paths ahead of us. But which So what do you mean by that? I guess first take? off, I think it's important to talk about I mean, how big is your firm now, Tyler? We're about twenty five employees. That's impressive. Um, I mean, you're almost twice the size yeah. of me. I mean, we're at fifteen. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh we do we do we we do some stuff in house, so that's not just twenty five managers. Yeah. It started out just with me. I don't know if you want any background on where I came from, but it was it yeah. Was just I think it's me good context. I think uh, I never wanted employees because I was actually nervous. I think and afraid to have that burden of other being responsible for more than just my family, um, right? And the payroll associated with that and. And not ever wanting to let someone go, you know, it's a way easier to hire someone than to let someone go. Then all these opportunities started coming and I wanted to take advantage of them. And 
I got to thinking if I think I run a good comp- company and I think I'm fair with my people and I got thinking if I had to let them go and they're in construction, they probably would have had to be let go by someone before that, by someone else. So I just, I decided to quit being afraid and just kind of roll with opportunities we have. So now it's, I started with just a couple managers. Now we have about 10 to 12 managers, um, project managers, junior project managers, superintendents, but we also self-perform some work. We do a lot of carpentry. We have our own cabinet shop. So some of it's more labor heavy than just management. Um, but yeah, we're primarily the custom home market here in Park City, Utah. And we, uh, yeah, I mean, I think with our cabinet business, um, we don't sub out. We only do our own homes. I don't think I'd be a very good subcontractor. I'm a little too bossy. But the... Um, the idea with that was just bring more of a custom feel to our homes. I, I mean, to be honest, we were we work with a lot of wonderful, talented designers who were requesting very custom cabinet packages. I just felt like we were letting them down with kind of the, the sub base we were using at the time. I felt like our cabinets weren't matching our level of home we were producing. And we were like, you know what, we'll just do it ourselves. Um, I don't think I was naive enough to think that cabinets it was just going to be that easy to start a cabinet company. Um, you know, it's one of the more difficult trades, I think, to get right. Um, but so, <laughs> I and, and I want to ask on that because it's interesting. I had Nick with NS Builders on a while ago, and mm-hmm. he's he's very similar in the sense that he has his GC business, right, his management business, and then he mm-hmm. also has his cabinet and trims side like you do. And I've, I, I've always struggled just trying to get my arms around that, not not that you are doing anything wrong or Nick is, just internally, sure. I look at the complication of running a project and now trying to add to that where I have my own, you know, hourly guys or salary guys mm-hmm. that I'm paying. And then for you, where you're only using them in-house, I mean, how are you able to organize that pipeline? Because for me, it comes in waves, right? I mean, we have mm-hmm. 10 to 13 projects a year. Typically, they come in waves, you know, and, and to try to keep an even flow is like nearly impossible. So how do you... How do you keep that pipeline pretty consistent for them to be busy, not too busy? So, I mean, it's a really good question. Um, we've yet to have the not too busy face. Um, <laughs> we've that's we've good. never lacked for work in the camera shop. Yeah, that's a great problem to have. And I, I totally understand that. Um, my kind of... The, the way I deal that with my clients, because if, if you were building with Killowin and you heard, you know, in my pitch that we do our own cabinets, you'd probably be like, well, where's, where's the cost control in that? So that's like, mm-hmm. it's a blank check for the cabinets because you're the cabinet right. guy too. Um, so to to kind of help with that transparency and just our scheduling, we have sister cabinet companies, um, just partner cabinet companies that will bid out every home with our numbers and if we were, say, going to use another cabinet company and use that for the budget, just one to keep us, you know, not keep us honest, but just show that we're a fair rate for what we're providing. And then two, give us more options with the schedule, because I would never have one of our homes be held hostage because my cabinet company is too busy. And I'm right. very clear at the very start in our first preliminary meetings, unless it's an absolute you hired us because you want our Kill One Cabinet Co., you might not get us strictly for your own benefit to help your schedule. Now, our shop is a little more custom. We're not a slam them up, slam them out, just a production cabinet company. So there's oftentimes we'll do like the kitchen, right? Or a more, more detailed inset part of the home. We'll maybe sub out some of the secondary cabinets, some secondary bedrooms. So um, it was more so uh, to help with help with our schedule and quality control i think if we ran out of i think if we got to that not busy enough stage um we would always we could always do kitchens we could always do built-ins we get a ton of requests thankfully and we're thankful for them that we just say no to every week because we just don't do the one-off cabinet 
jobs because we're just too busy with our own homes and we're fortunate there but um you which know, is good but, I, but but let me ask yeah let me ask you this though i mean in in the reality of you know i understand the pitch to the client where you set the tone you know to control the cost and and really it's it's good that you do that because what, what's really important for us as the contractor i mean think of the construction industry it's based on trust right and where we have the biggest breakdowns is where the clients feel there's a lack of trust with their contractor but even more so i mean we're really the ally we're really the defender of our client like we have to be there as an owner's rep per se as a general contractor to manage and mitigate all the issues that may come up that's why they hire us right but but the challenge now that you're encountering and i imagine this on the other side to get bids from other cabinet companies you have to award them right i mean they're not just going to yeah. bid especially knowing hey tyler has his own cabinet shop i'm bidding against him he's the controller he's the general contractor how do you build that trust factor now with your subcontractor base your trade partners that they know hey even though i'm bidding this i may get i may not but there's still a relationship with tyler and his team yeah i mean it has to be um i mean i i'm having that a lot with a lot of our sub base because i i bid out every trade three or four deep right not just for cost comparisons to keep everything on you know, even playing filled with with costs, but for scheduling too. Like for you know how some of these projects go, mm -hmm. and, and depending on the winter, depending on the dig, maybe we run into some rock, and our schedule's thrown off, right? Or maybe yep. it's going quicker. So even with say our heating guys, be like, you guys, I love you guys. You're my favorite heating guy, but I'm not going to award you every project. We're at the point where I can't have just one, one or even two subs for each trade. So they have right. to go with our track record of. Tyler's not going to jerk us around. Um, I, I'm asking them, every time I send it out a bid, I send it out to 150 people. I say, I tell them, you will, you might not get this job because you're not going to get them all, but I need you to build them all, bid them all, so we have options. You might get three out of the five, but I'm not going to give you five out of five. It's not fair to either of us because I think there was a point where I was a little too loyal to my main guys, and um, I'd give them everything. And then I'd get mad because they're not on my job. And I'd call them and they'd be like, well, I'm on your other job. Where do you want me to go? Which one? I'm like, well, I want you to be a both. So that was kind of my <laughs> fault because I was giving them too much, right? I, I felt like they probably weren't going to tell me no because they want all of our work. I think I just awarded them too much. And and that's, that's a very valid and fair question with um, the cabinet side. And as far as us being a competitor to our other cabinet subs um i think they just i think our name's gotten around enough they see how many jobs we have they know it would be crazy for us to try to do all of them um so and i've awarded enough to them being like hey listen i don't, I don't really jerk them around with with the price if it's competitive and, and close to ours um where we're pretty good just signing them on and awarding them pretty early because our cabinet drawings are so critical to the process. We got to award them pretty early anyway. So the challenge I think is obviously projecting out for the following year, but we get cabinet requests, like I said, for kitchens and whatever. And I mean, honestly, I do think we're at least a couple of years out for cabinet jobs. So that's a great problem for wow. us to have, but, um, I mean, it also speaks to the quality of my guys. So I love carpentry. I absolutely love it. It's another reason I started it. I, I think I'm a carpentry snob, even though I'm not near as talented as our workers, right? So I built really terrible furniture in my backyard when we were at BYU together <laughs> um, out of two by fours. And I just thought my, my stuff was amazing. But I can appreciate their quality. I can't do the kind of work they have or they do, but... I'm really proud. I, I think I mentioned earlier, one reason I started the cabinet shop is I felt uh, our cabinets we were putting in weren't matching the quality of our homes. And I say that because a client told me that. We kind of do an exit interview, like where did we do well? Where could we have done better? And he mentions like, I love our house, but like, you know, the cabinets just, I just think it doesn't, it doesn't match up with the rest of what you've done. And that hit me, you know, really hard. That like you know obviously i want all of our house you know every every trade to stand out and that's where we started to do some of it ourselves i want to touch on this because 
now, now you've kind of brought open this topic, this exit interview, and you have my attention, not that you didn't have before, but how, how is that handled? When you talk about an exit interview, walk me through that process, how you communicate with that client, how it's set up, what's communicated, how long is it, like, how does this take place? So we're, we're getting it a little more formalized now. Um, that's, that's another challenge of, of growth and scaling a company, right? We're, we're bigger than I ever thought we would be. I feel like I've been the owner of kind of three separate companies in my career, although they're all named Killowin. So the first one was just me doing the best I could. Um, and then as we've grown, grabbing a couple of managers, but now we have a lot of people and, and I, I rely on them so much and I've had to let go of a lot of my control to a point. Um, it, it's hard when you have done everything to let go of some of that because this this company it really is it is my baby and I it's very important to me it's the second uh, you know second to only my family the most important thing in my life so giving up some of that control um, to people has been hard so get back to your question as far as up until this point most of the exit interviews have been me sitting down with the clients in their new home and asking them just having a conversation with me with a notepad and like hey where did we do well where could we have done better and some of that um can't be really be put in, put on a form as far as like checking off how well we did <clears throat> for example one of my great project managers i have levi he uh was our tile guy he was our main tile guy and um I would have this conversation with our homeowners when we finished the house. Hey, what subs did you like? Where did we do well? And they're like, well, it was so great. We just love talking to him. He always explained things. He explained things that weren't even about tile. <laughs> and that was just like, I think one of them joking was like, why don't you hire Levi? Like to just be a manager. And I was like, that's a really great idea. And Levi's been with us for years. And um, he's, I love that he has that field experience. But basically that came from an owner interview where everyone was just singing his praises, right? They're like, yeah, I was kind of mad at you one day and he defended you and explained the situation. I was like, that's my boy, that's Levi, and he's great. Um, so that came from an exit interview. Now we are trying, we are exploring some options because now we have more employees. I want to, um, I want to incentivize, right? So I think bonus structure, I even had a call with you about this about a month ago mm -hmm. or a couple right. months ago about right. what's the best way to reward good work, right? And it's pretty hard to quantify in construction because scheduling is an issue where they can do the best job managing and calling everyone and then just like the painter doesn't show up. So that's not necessarily their fault. So it's hard to gauge. So we're, we're thinking on the exit interview, having a small amount of it be based upon the homeowner's answers and responses of how happy they were with the management, be based on your, on your, uh, on the exit interview answers. Um, but that's in process right now. So right now it's not incredibly formal. So, so when you mean it's incredibly formal, maybe with the employees, I mean, you're working on that, but with the, and maybe with the homeowners, it's not incredibly formal, but the point of this is you are sitting down or having a conversation. I mean, is this in your office? Is this at their house? Is this over the phone? I mean, how are you dictating out the client just to get that feedback, you know, the autopsy of the project? So lots of times it's at their home. So we'll sit down in their kitchen in their new home, whether we're talking about punch list items, um, there's, there's typically a meeting after they move in and bring in my housewarming gift. And we talk about the project. Um, maybe, maybe it's a longer meeting where we're doing some closeout conversations about some additions, settling up, some things like that. Um, there's also, you know, estate management that we, we talk about, we give them a closeout package with all their specs for their home, for all their appliances, their, their furnaces, all that stuff. Um, so that can be a pretty expensive and long conversation. Um, but typically, um, you know, with these homes, they get super personal, super awesome in a way, because it's the most expensive thing they'll ever buy. It's where they raise their family, their kids, their grandkids. And it gets it gets pretty personal. That's why I like it better than commercial. I was in commercial for a while, but homes are there's something about it 
it's pretty cheesy, but like when you go back to a project and it's now a house, it's now a home instead of a job site, it's really special. Um, so I like to have those meetings in their home and, and talk to them about it. Um, I do try to be, even though we are, I don't know, I, let's call us a medium-sized company now. I do like to still be very involved and not just day-to-day stuff, but don't disappear after I sign the contract with them, even though they get a project manager and superintendent. Um, I like to be heavily involved. And part of that's just because I like to know what's going on and I can't have our name on something I'm not aware of. Right. So. So how um, often are you checking in like during the project? Cause I know at some point the reality is even with your size and the complexity and you know, everything else we'll get into just from your other endeavors, but are you checking in once a month, once a quarter? I mean, how often typically do you, do you call or text your clients? Um, I insist on being copied on all correspondence. <laughs> so it's a little too much, to be honest. So I like to be on every text chain and every email. I might not chime in on everything, but I like to know what's going on. And I don't think that's sustainable. Um, well, it depends on how much more we scale. Right now it is sustainable. I like to know what's going on. I have a bird's eye view of everything. I'm not necessarily the guy that's ordering the dumpster to get dumps. But if there's a change, I'm aware of it, especially if it has cost implications. Um, but no, I'm, I'm involved with every single job. That's interesting. And, and I do like the feedback. I mean, I think about the exit interview. I look back when I first started AFT, this is early on. This is when I was still in the field, right? At the time, and I was the superintendent running projects very early on. I had a client and we were doing a remodel. Is a remodel at the time. And I remember the client pulled me aside. And he was awesome. I mean, he was a commercial contractor, super fair, a great client to work for. Him and his wife were just sweethearts. And I remember he said, hey, Brad, can we grab some lunch, right? And we went and had lunch. And, and without knowing it as an exit interview, that's what it was, right? He wanted to sit down with me right. and he said, hey, Brad, I really loved, you did A, B, C, D, E, right? That I really loved the communication and personality and you know the quality and, and these things were great. He said, but here's a couple of things you should look at, you know, like cleanliness, you know, site cleanliness, they set up in my driveway, you know, I had paint spilled in my driveway. It's kind of messy sometimes. And it wasn't like super detrimental. It wasn't horrible. And he's like, sure. Hey Brad, overall the experience was awesome, but moving forward, you should make these changes. And it was so valuable because it was at a point where emotionally he wasn't as connected to the project. So he could give some honest feedback without it escalating or making me feel like I was letting him down. But what's interesting since that point is where I say, oh, we need to make site cleanliness a focus of the company. And just based on his focus, and we've done that, and, and we've strived for that. And it's amazing how much of an impact that's made to our community and our clients. And so that feedback is so important. I don't think we do that. We're, we're so much of a rush to get the client in. They move in, and then we just move on to the next battle. Well, and I love that you say that, and I'm not surprised you took that. You probably took that that criticism is construction criticism right right so absolutely yeah i'm we do we do something that i think is pretty cool and has helped me we don't often lose out on projects we want but it happens occasionally occasionally they'll they'll choose someone else and i'm as competitive as the next guy and yeah. i i <laughs> sometimes can hold a grudge and be like they're on my list. I'm just going to show them how good a builder I am. Not in a mean way. I'm not going to put like roadkill in their driveway or anything. But the the I, I think about it. I'm like, gosh, they didn't pick me. They're going to, I'm going to tell them I told them. The so, day, whatever. Right? Yeah. Now we're super excited. Welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. 
They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. One thing we started is six months, even a year after, I keep a list of those people that chose to not go with us. And we actually sent them a a questionnaire asking why. And we're not looking for their work. Their their house is probably almost done. And um, I wanted to do that to see why, where we can improve. Cause I am, I do think we do a good job and my feelings get hurt too. If it's, if it's just cause they don't like me. Okay. That's fine. But if it was a price thing, I want to know how their job went. The, did the pricing go like the other guy told them it was going to go? Um, was it a presentation problem? Um, what could we have done better to get their business? And there's more people than I thought have responded and been like, you know what? I think we should have gone with you. Here's why we didn't. Um, And it's been really positive. And I think you get to the point where you have to swallow your ego a little bit. We had, this is another good one. Like we had someone leave us, an employee, really liked him. He's a junior guy, really great kid. Um, I wish him the best, but he took a job elsewhere for a lot more money. And, um, he, uh, it was a completely different position, right? I'm not even necessarily construction management, but we, we do a formal exit interview. This one is formal. They write it down. I get to see it and they sign it. And some of the stuff on there was that he mentioned was legit. It's like, you know what? I can do better that. You're right. Some of the stuff I disagreed with, um, but a lot of it was like, you know what? I need to look look in the mirror and be like, Where, how can I make this a better spot for my company? My, my only, with this situation, we haven't had many people leave us, but with this one, I, I kind of wish he would have brought it up. Any, any issues he had um, before he decided to leave. I really think one thing I'm striving for with our business is I want, because I, I mentioned, I feel like I've owned three different companies. I never worked for someone like me, right? Um, that's one thing I would maybe give some advice to young uh, guys who want to be me is maybe work for someone like me. So you could learn from maybe not necessarily my mistakes or just learn from my processes and whatnot, because I kind of started from scratch. Because... Um, well, but the reality is, Tyler, if, I mean, if I talk to you about this is that, yeah, I mean, you had to start from somewhere and it's, it, it kind of goes back to a conversation where, you know, people think, well, why can't I be my own GC, right? Why can't I run my own house? And you realize that, hey, you as a builder, Tyler, uh, you know, you, you built your first house, your second house is better, your third's better and so on down the line. And now you're a hundred mm-hmm. deep and it's like you, the, the home you're building today is a hundred times better than the first one in the whole process because you've, you've mastered that craft or at least working to master that craft. And and it's very similar. So yeah, when you mentioned that it, it's not that you're making mistakes, it's just you're learning as you go and, and, and being able to set that culture and that company standard for your employees and yourself, right? That's where they're going to grow as well. And, and I want my people to challenge our system. Don't, um, I might disagree and I might push back, but I do want our team to think of ways we can do better. And you know what, maybe I had thought of that before and it didn't work and this was why. But I'm not adverse to change. We just hired another gentleman and one of the reasons he left, which I think is a very good company, said they just, they were really resistant to any type of change. And I just don't think you can be successful that way. Um, Again, I said, I'm I'm competitive and probably, I don't know, I have pride in our company, but man, the day we stop improving or even just listening to to better, you know, better ideas is, you know, we're, we're going to be on the downhill. 
So how do you know, I'm, you mentioned this earlier and I actually made note of it. I mean, you talked about with the company, you have 25 employees and you said you're fair, right? You don't have a ton of, ton of turnover and you mentioned the common fair. So how, I shouldn't say how do you even gauge that, but the reality is how do you create a good company culture with managers, superintendents, you know, you have the office, you have self-performing. I mean, it's a lot of complexity. And so how have you found success to create a good company culture for your team? Um, I'd like to take all the credit and just say I'm awesome at managing and whatnot, <laughs> but I've been really, some of it's luck, Brad, really. I'm so fortunate. <laughs> I'm tearing up a bit. <laughs> I love it. Um, my, my, the people that hey, hired. You're making me want to come work for you. I mean, anyone that sees this, we're this passionate and. And I love that just to give you a second here, but the reality is Tyler, I mean, you know, an owner that, that feels the weight, like I, I wrote down entrepreneur, right? Cause most people think they want to be an entrepreneur, but with the minute you hire somebody, they don't realize the complaint. Cause now you have this responsibility and you mentioned this early on in the episode that, Hey, I feel the responsibility for my entire team. I mean, I have mm -hmm. people, I have, they have families, they have careers, they have goals, aspirations, and to create a lifeline, a pipeline for them, to be successful, to be challenged, to support their family, to, to live, to put food on the table, right? I mean, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of weight as an owner. And that's why I can relate to your emotions right now. And I think as an entrepreneur, there's up and downs that change every five minutes and it's really difficult. But, but to your point, Tyler, I mean, as you know, you just think about the burden with that and the emotion behind it where I can relate to that emotion. I mean, as an entrepreneur, right, it's going up and down every day. It changes every five minutes throughout the day. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight, right, that you feel for for that and, and and just being sensitive to that and understanding that i think in my opinion you know i've worked for different companies and different bosses and the ones that i don't want to say are emotional but you can sense that they care like it goes a long way right because if people feel appreciated that's one of the biggest ways that they want to do a good job for their employer for the company for the brain yeah i mean and i i apologize for being emotional it's probably the first time someone's <laughs> cried on your podcast um it's not the, it's uh, not so don't worry <laughs> okay good so i i get emotional because i know how hard not just my employees but our subcontractors how hard we we work man work so hard and the guys just have so much gratitude for how hard they work and honestly for for lack of appreciation a lot of the time um just in lack in of general, appreciation. But... I mean, what, what I tell people, last, my mom, the last person I hired, the expectation I said, and I said, look, it looks amazing on Instagram. You're going to see these amazing projects and pictures. But the reality is it's a grind. Day to day, you're dealing with clients that are frustrated. You're dealing with a lot of professionals, you know, from architecture and design. You're dealing with supply chain. You're dealing with subcontractors. I mean, trade partners. And there's issues. All you're dealing with is putting out fires and dealing with crisis and problem solving 24 seven. And you're never going to get phone calls saying, thank you, Tyler, you're doing an awesome job. All the photos are, why, are, why is this behind schedule, Tyler? Why isn't this installed? Why is this incorrect? I mean, it's, it's really tough. And it's not that we have bad clients. It's not that we have a bad team. It's just, it's a really difficult industry. It's all labor intensive. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy way around it. And there's just issues every day that we're encountering. Yeah, I mean, Thanks for saying that. Sometimes you feel like it's just you, right? But um, as as far as like getting back to my team and the culture, I hope I hope they know how much I appreciate them. I hope they know <clears throat> um, that I they're they're seen and that they're working because I know they have families. They they have kids at home. Most of our most of our team have young families, right? Or or even if they didn't, they're sacrificing their personal time a lot of the time. And um, I, there, there's, there's people in our company that are here for the paycheck, and that is fine. That is. That's why we do it. We're not doing it for practice. We're doing it to make a living. It's all good. There are other people that I see have caught the vision, right, of where we can be. <laughs> and those are the people that, like, the majority of who we have i can see want can see what this company is becoming and what can be in the next five years they want to be a part of it right 
we're not where we want to be. There's processes. We're dealing with growing pains, but there are people here that are making choices every day for the benefit, not necessarily of for their career or praise or to be the boss's favorite, but to help the company, Killwin's brand, be something they can be proud of. And those are the company people that I'll remember. I'm not going to do this forever. And I didn't want this to be Tyler Farrell Construction. Killwin Construction, it's kind of hard to say and spell, but I want it to be a group, right? I want it to be a team um, and not just me. And I'd love it if this company was around long enough for my kids to inherit and ruin. But if I could hand this over to some of these awesome people that work with me right now, um, I don't think I'd ever want to leave the company, but give them more ownership, more responsibility. Um, that's my goal, really, for them to inherit what I have. Well, one thing I, I think is important, I mean, after this episode, hopefully you send this to your whole team that they listen to it and hear the way you speak about them and the company and the passion. (laughs) You know, there's no way that this can't build company culture. If your employees, all 25 of them listen to what you're saying here right now. Um, It just shows what we can all do as business owners. Right. So you mentioned the trajectory you're on, which I've seen, and I know we've spoken a lot Mm -hmm. offline about this. When did you see that happening? I mean, did it happen uh, in correspondence with your relationship with Shay at Studio McGee? I know you do a lot of Shay's work and, and, and so when did you really see this really take off? And how did you even meet Shay? Like, how did that relationship start, you know, between you and Studio McGee? So that, so to answer your question, yeah, I think it really corresponds. I think it'd be silly to not um, just admit that I've been riding her coattails for quite a while. Um, <laughs> I, I don't but, mean that by any means. Just Tyler, you're, you're no, incredibly no. talented. Well, and and I, don't, us, I don't, yeah. And I don't want to say, um, we don't work with other talented designers too. We love working with Stu Mickey. We really do. But there's another handful, I mean, of, of designers we work with, like House of Jade, Kevin Creer, Kim Parker, like Midway Design. You have some incredibly talented, them, yeah, talented designers there in Utah. But uh, it, it was a little bit of a game plan, right? Um, it was about 2018, so not even, you know, maybe three and a half years ago. I I haven't been the best networker, Brad, and you've been you've inspired me to get on social more. I'm really limping in your you know, in your smoke, I guess. But not really. Um, I see how fast you're growing because you start posting <laughs> these pictures and people don't realize the, the scale of work you're doing and, and every time you post them, I, that's why I told you you just need to post more. I know. So so anyhow, I think um in two thousand eighteen I wish I would have realize this five years sooner but my networking with designers and architects is huge i love uh, referring and getting referred by talented professionals right so i had never worked with a professional interior designer before sue mcgee um and i'd worked with some designers and you know what bless them they were amateurs um they just I don't think it's hard to find someone with good taste. I think it's hard to find someone that's super professional, organized, and asset to the team and the schedule. We we love working with designers. We insist on it. We require it. And but not all of them. All of them are created equal. Just like builders aren't. Just like architects aren't. Just how doctors aren't. Right. So um, how is, I met Shay was uh, she she's a uh, pretty famous on Instagram. She posted a house we had built in Midway that she just walked by. And she's like, this is a cute house. We like this house. And it went all over. And it was. It's a really pretty farmhouse. It was all over Pinterest, all over this stuff. And I messaged her and I was like, thank you so much. That's so kind. I really like your work. I'd love to work with you. And that's how we started talking. And I started referring them projects. And they just never worked out. And uh, I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to hire her. So I did a spec home in 2018 and I hired them to be the designers. And my plan was they were going to see how awesome we were to work with, even (laughs) though I was paying their bills. And then they were going to refer us to our clients because they're going to see that Killwin does it right. We work hard, you know, we do it right. And it worked and I got them. 
And uh, when we were building that house, Shay and Sid came to came to me and was like, "Hey, would you be interested in building our own personal home?" And I was I was blown away and flattered. And, and you know, that's awesome. That's huge for us. Just re- regardless of you know my personal relationship with Sid and Shay, which is great. I think they're great people. Uh, I will say this about Sid and Shay: when you when you build someone's house. You know this. You get to know that person, right? The walls come down, right? So you know probably a little more than you should know when you get done building someone's house. And that can mean you, that can mean just like with people in general, it can leave you a little disheartened. It can also make you love those people even more, you know, because you can see that they're thankful and that they do care and that they're good to work with. I thought she was going to be a little bit of a diva. I did. I thought she was, and you know what? She was absolutely fantastic, her and Sid, to work for. And um, we're still doing stuff, so that's that's a good sign. We've been working together for several years. Um, but anyhow, that's how I met them. So I hired them. And I don't work with just, you know, Sid and, and Shay day-to-day. They have an awesome team um, full of very talented individuals, and they're so great. They're so great. If... For some reason, um, Sumi Gee ever closed up shop, I would want all of their employees to come work for us. <laughs> um, but they're, we've built some really good relationships, and I think they appreciate how hard my team works and how much they care. Because um, they've, they've probably seen it the other way, and it's not just our industry, but there's some jokers out there, some contractors that I just don't think care as much as my team. And that's a big part of it um just caring it's it's hard to it's hard to train work ethic and and effort right we can train the other things yeah but, you can't um, but i love that you share that i mean one thing tyler just to pick up on i mean when i asked you how that relationship began you know a lot of a lot of people i network with and speak with they, they always say well how do you get started how do you get the attention right and there's a few ways to do that one is I, I can tell you right now that if you're going to cold call people, like it's not effective, right? It's extremely rare that it is effective. And someone's be like, oh, Tyler's calling me. Yeah, let's give him a project. Doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? But if th- there's other ways to do it. One is from social media, you know, you can get on, you can engage, you know, months and months of engagement and liking and commenting. You start building a report where the people end up seeing it. Like, hey, who's this Tyler Farrell that continues to support me? You know, that's one one way to do it, LinkedIn or Instagram. But but as you said, by bringing value, saying, hey, I got a project. Studio McGee, I want to hire you. Br- come on. Now, now, instead of just enlisting them, even though you want to work with them, you're actually bringing something to the table. You're bringing value to them. And now that invitation's there. They can take that. And then you can build off that. Now you have the opportunity. You've, you've given yourself the opportunity. Now you just have to perform and then let it take its course. Right. And, you know, they've been... They've been great to work with. They've been patient through this weird time. Like I was just finishing um, their basement and their pool house, the McGee's, you know, during the worst time in history, you could have done finished a basement, right? <laughs> just because of COVID and the labor and the lumber and materials and all that stuff. And um, they've been patient with me through some of those things um, and some of my growth as we've kind of caught up to them. We're not, you know, we're, we're still not their level of company but we're we're working to get there so i think the relationship's been really good um very very positive um they and you know they just continue to kill it and we're we're glad to be a part of it so so how did the netflix come up i mean you know they i know they were approached by netflix without getting their side how does that relationship begin with you where it's like okay but we're gonna have our contractor on tyler right we're gonna bring him on and did you have reservations how did that introduction begin and how did that take place? <laughs> so, I mean, initially, I was like, no reservations. Let's do this. <laughs> like, I was excited. I remember the day Shay called me. I was on the house in Park City, and it was cold, and it was later at night. And she's like, hey. You could tell she had something important to say. And is like, hey, we got this Netflix thing. Like, it's going to happen. Do you want to fly out to L.A. to meet them? And um, it's like, yeah, I was Okay, let's do it. So we went to Netflix headquarters and it was like total just kind of weird, crazy. I didn't think that would be happening. And um anyhow, it was a long journey. Those these shows take forever to film and edit. Um 
I should have had some reservations. <laughs> um, so they actually flew you out there, though, to Netflix headquarters. You interview, kind of speak about mm -hmm. the scheme or, or, or template for the show. Yeah, so they had a pitch. Um, so they have, like, I'm entering the world of, like, agents and just, like, you know, people are way more important than me. And I, I'm just showing up, contractor in a T-shirt, and I don't even know why I'm there, to be honest. But... Um, <laughs> They, we went into a meeting and we kind of pitched a couple, or there was a couple different ideas pitched for the show, and they signed off on it. Um, ultimately, I had more. We're filming season three right now. Um, I had more reservations for this season because my goal with with McGee's, assuming McGee's, to um, be their guy and not let them down and do the best I could. The reason I had reservations this season, I was just really nervous that with the current turmoil in the market, labor, you can imagine it's hard to get labor or materials for these multi-million dollar projects, let alone a $50,000 kitchen remodel. Right. And that's so, part of the issue of the show is that, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, Tyler's bread and butter, your wheelhouse is to do this custom home, but that could be a two-year build that doesn't work for the context of the show and so they're going to say tyler come out of your scope come out of your comfort zone do this basement do this kitchen and you're not i don't want to say not set up but it's just not your forte i mean and not no, set no, up it's, and it's same for it's me not like my I, fastball. it's not your fastball and the thing is like your your trade base with as busy as they are you, you know your trade partners and your supply chain like it's hard for them to even mobilize to come and say hey let me pull out a guy off this crew to come do this job because i can't throw 30 guys in i can throw one and that's a little bit more difficult Right. I mean, you got it exactly. So, I mean, I feel like such a baby even having any complaints about being on an Netflix show. No, you know what no, I mean? it's, it's so awesome. It's reality. I mean, the thing is, it's tight timelines. And right now, what's yeah. the hardest thing? Having a tight timeline where you can't get product, yeah. you can't get labor. And like, I was thinking about this today. I was talking with one of my colleagues, just all the things I feel like I'm complaining about right now are things I dreamed for. You know, like, oh, we're so busy. Oh, poor, poor Carolyn. We got too much work. Um, or like, you know, my kids are paying off. For years, all I wanted was children. You know what I mean? So I'm so lucky and so fortunate. I just want to preface that if any Netflix people are listening. I'm very <laughs> fortunate and thankful for the opportunity. But logistically, I did learn a lot um, about smaller projects and remodels because it's not, it's not our forte. Um, we learned a lot that first season and it's great for the stuff we're doing now. We're doing like four or five little remodels right now on the show. And, um, we learned a lot from just, uh, handling these smaller projects. Right. And the timeline and just, I've never, you know, I never had cameras Why I'm doing demo. Right. I've never, um, and just working with those schedules, you know, it's a TV show. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and also, you know, dealing with COVID and all that fun stuff. Um, the, I mean, it's hard to quantify what it's done for our company, but it's all good. Right. So I think we do get a lot of requests for, for basements or kitchens and little additions. And I feel so fortunate for that work, but we typically say no, right. It's just not something we can fit in. If I had if I had a Killowin Junior company where we just did remodels and kitchens and stuff, I think we could kill it, but I don't have the bandwidth to set that up or the manpower, right? Well, and it's I a different business it... strategy too. I mean, think about it with a remodel. As you know, you need, right now you have in-house carpentry, right? You need an in-house plumber. Yeah. You need an in-house electrician, in-house framer that can go and do this and, and, and put this together because by you trying to GC a remodel, the, the mm -hmm. cost, the economies of scale, the markup, I mean, it doesn't make sense for the clients either. And that's where it's not like you're turning it down because you're better than that. It, it, at the end of the day, the cost structure, the, the way that the project's managed, you have, you have markup on so many levels that it doesn't work unless you're going after right. a big scale project. Right. And I think, I mean, one thing I, I've seen, like I have, I probably have four or five potential new client meetings a week. And I had two today. That's where I came from just before this it got on with you and um i think some real value is to some people not everyone's watched the show that's fine 
Um, but some people, I think, have felt like we've already been introduced and that they, they have some feeling. And I feel like it's an advantage going into those meetings. I feel like they, they know a little bit about us already. At the very least, Shay trusts us to do some work. And she's a big deal. <laughs> so um, I, th I think that's been a huge benefit. So um, I wish we could do more on the show because um, there's there's a handful we're not doing on this season three. So you might see less of us. But at the same time, I didn't want to commit to too much and actually disappoint them, you know, because we couldn't be there. So I think the ones we're doing now we can handle and handle well. Um, but it'll be fun. I mean, we're we're doing demo in two more days on another one and those are fun and it, my team enjoys it you know it's 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 cool cameras are there and, yeah what's um, it like i mean what's it like with cameras there on site netflix producers i mean how is just are there nerves is there you know i don't want to say scripted i don't want you to give away you know the context of the show because i'm sure there's confidentiality confidentiality agreements but you know what, what what is it like for you being with the camera there and how do you portray your company the project interaction with shay in a realistic you know manner um, at first it was a little weird, but honestly, I think our relationship with, with Shay is, it just feels, I like it when we do, they call them build beats when we're like, we're meeting on camera to go over, uh, a wood beam or, um, a layout, layout of cabinetry or something like that. That just feels supernatural because that's what we do every day. Right. Um, some of the, I mean, when you think about the camera, it gets weird um but that i don't know that kind of went away but what they what what they told us at first is like you know 95 percent of what you film won't make the cut and that's right. absolutely true <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of things i'm glad didn't make the cut there's a couple on this season i hope don't make it um but anyhow i guess my my initial if i had reservations i was i was really looking forward to the opportunity but my biggest reservations is just probably coming from my insecurities i just i just didn't want to look stupid i didn't because you know how how the world is and how the internet is if maybe i said something say something wrong about how to do a, a flashing detail on a window or something like but it's on record forever that i'm i'm the dummy that doesn't know how to build things <laughs> um you would be maybe you wouldn't be surprised but I have, like, if there's levels of fame, like, here's my, here's my old man. This is a normal person, right? I, like, might be, like, right here with fame. And then, like, shades, like, clear up here. But even I, with that little um, amount of fame, get direct messages that are super personal and mean <laughs> about how I didn't do something right, or if I, well, you were, I can't believe you guys weren't wearing masks. And I'm yeah. like, well, actually, can't believe you didn't have gloves on. Happened. The pandemic hadn't happened yet, so it didn't exist. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, that sounds like another thing I'm complaining about um, for an awesome experience. But there are those people that are online to hurt feelings and whatnot. But there's a lot of support. I was really impressed by the international support. If we were an international builder going to build in South America and Europe, we'd be killing it even more so. But um, Killowin, um, the name Killowin is actually, it's from a little village in Ireland where my grandfather's from. So when he was 19, he came over from Ireland. And um, he didn't talk much about it because we all think he kind of got in trouble. But um, <laughs> the, uh, it's... I had a lot of people from, from Ireland reach out after the show because it's an international show. Not all Netflix shows get an international release. Mm -hmm. And um, lots of people from Ireland reached out about, hey, Killowin, I'm from Killowin. And like I showed my dad those messages and like he, he cheered up. That's where I get it from. My old man, we're a bunch of babies. <laughs> but um, uh, it's cool to make that connection. That's so cool. I mean, growing up, uh, I never would have thought the world would become as small as it is, you know, and just, it's so cool having people 
again, Instagram, people see the finished product and they think everything's just so perfect. We have people who want to intern from Africa. And I'm like, well, I'd love you to come. I just hope you're not disappointed when you get here because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's not perfect. Um, but all in all, it's been a, a really positive experience. So I'm really thankful and I'm just fortunate that it worked out that, I don't know, right time, right place with the Mickey's that I was be able to be a part of it. So how, you know, I was going to ask you where the name came from. So that may, I mean, it's just a cool background to understand, you know, the genealogy history behind it, right, of, mm -hmm. of that name. What have you learned? I mean, from being on the show with the timelines, the interaction with Shay and, and everybody, I mean, what, what are some of the benefits that, have, that outside of the press, outside of social media, right? We understand that, but I just mean from an organizational standpoint, how has that helped you look and, and really so focus I think, on the I think we're doing a lot better this season than we did the first one i mean it was it's two seasons but it got split because of covid so basically it was one long season but i think it trained us to be more organized and plan ahead which was it's just super valuable in today's climate right i have a client that we're starting a beautiful house it's not gonna be ready for two years and they're really worried about ordering the appliances and i'm like we don't need to order quite yet but we're on don't worry, we're ordering stuff early. So with with the Netflix show, there's a lot of there's a lot of bosses involved, right? So there's there's multiple entities. There's me and Sumiki and my subs, and then there's production and Netflix, and they have trade out partners for some of the materials on the show. Big companies like you know Kohler and stuff like that. And there's I've never had so many email so many people you've had to copy on an email. Right. There's like a dozen people in each email and you can't leave anyone out because everyone is integral to getting something ordered from like Pella Windows or or something like that, where everyone needs to be on the same page, because not only is everything need to be or ordered properly, we have to get very clear approvals for costs. Right. Because I'm not paying for this. You know, the geese aren't there's it's a collaboration of whatever. Somebody's paying for it. There's a lot of funds from all over the place. But we've had to be a, even a little more dialed in on our communication. Not that we're not big on communication now, but it's more people involved. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, just there's just so many, so much working behind the scenes, so many personalities, so many people that, and, and as you take that, as you take that understanding, hey, I'm dealing with these 12 executives, 12, you know, 12 people in the, in the group, how much more prepared will you be now on a one-to-one -one basis with your client or mm -hmm. on a four-to-one where it's you, architect, designer, client, right? There's four of you and, you know, how much more precise can you be? So, you know, what, looking back, you know, where you are today, Tyler, with the company, with the success you have, kind of where you're going, what do you feel is the best advice you've been given? Well... Gosh, that's a great question. Or as you think about that, right? Because I'm throwing this on you. I mean, think think about the best advice you've been given. But if, if the table is turned and there's a new company starting, or here's Tyler 2.0 starting your company, what advice would you give yourself starting your brand now? So I have a lot of things coming to my mind that all sound like bumper sticker material, but I believe <laughs> them. Like, I, have a, I personally have a problem with courage, um, being brave. Um, like, I hate giving bad news, and I don't like conflict. And I, that those are two things you have to deal with almost constantly in construction. <laughs> um, I think it goes back to, I mean, that courage thing, be brave, has to do a lot with procrastination as well. I think a lot of people procrastinate because they're afraid. Like, I, I was talking with one of my friends today. It is so much procrastination is, is such a bad thing. And I preach just getting stuff done. That's why I'm always up with checklists, getting stuff done. It is so much. The fear of, of something is often way worse than the actual thing. Right? So like if, if, if I have to give bad news on a budget or something's way more expensive than we thought it would be, and maybe justifiably so, maybe I had bad information or maybe just, it's just bad news. 
putting it off is always worse, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about putting it off maybe a Friday afternoon, turn that into a Monday call, you know, don't always have to ruin someone's weekend. <laughs> but I would say the time is now, again, sounding sounding like bumper sticker material, like the time is now, it usually always is. Like just do it now. Um, that's where I think maybe some of my team might be frustrated with me at some times where it seems like I might be a little hard on them because I insist on very, very prompt communication, um, especially to the people paying our bills. If you go 24 hours without answering a text or an email, I am upset. That is to our homeowner. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have the answer. That means you just need to tell them you're working on it, right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, our clientele, well, and regardless of how successful you are or how much money you have, but we're building multi-million dollar homes. Our clientele are pretty much ballers, right? They're, <laughs> they're doing well. They're running companies. Um, they're successful. Um, they need to be a priority. Um, and I think where, where construction really goes sideways, the relationships at least, is communication, right? If someone feels heard and you're telling them, even if there's a problem, if you acknowledge that it's there and that you're working on it and you keep telling them that, you know, this is where we are, constant updates, communication, I think, is huge. And I think that's somewhere where we excel in our company and it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Right. Um, I communicate very promptly because I have so much anxiety. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that's a positive, but I use it to my benefit to the fact that if something's on my list and it's not done, it bothers me. So I, I, I get a lot done. <laughs> I'm not saying that's incredibly healthy and I need some boundaries at some point, but um, getting stuff done quickly and promptly and making people feel like a priority because they are, they are a priority, but at least acknowledging that with verbal and written communication is huge. Yeah. I love that. You know, that's, that's powerful advice because one of the issues we deal with, and, and I look back at the biggest mistakes I've had all come from unclear expectations. Right. And, you know, being responsive is super important, especially those clients that they feel heard, they feel addressed. Even if you don't have that answer, say, Hey Tyler, thanks for reaching out. Let me find out. Let me get back to you, right? So at least they know that it's not on deaf ears, right? That you care. I mean, that's super valuable. And setting clear expectations, I look, I look back, and if I could go back, and, and part of that comes with experience. Part of it comes as you work, you know, and you learn, you know, the mistakes we've made or, or the mishaps or oversights, right? As we apply those, and we have, as you mentioned, we have the exit interviews with the clients, so we get that feedback, or we have it with our employees, and we get the feedback why they've left or what the turnover or you know, year-end reviews, whatever. I mean, we can get that feedback from a lot of different people and then it's important that we apply that. So, I mean, it's just powerful wisdom. I mean, I, I love your story, Tyler. You know, the emotion behind it, just how passionate you are about the trade, how passionate you are about your company, about your people, you know, about the building process, the teamwork, and, and, and it shows. And, and you've done a very, it's very impressive what you built. It's impressive to see how you hold yourself and, 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 even on camera, right on Netflix. And I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's amazing what you've done. And I love living vicariously through you. So, I mean, based on everything we've talked about, what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? So this, this upcoming year, um, gosh, we have some beautiful homes coming through. So we all have our personal taste, right? Um, and, and all of our homes, somebody loves them. But the ones coming up this year, I'm super excited about because they're homes that are kind of would be my dream home, right? So we, I feel like we're fortunate with the amount of work that's available. We can kind of pick and choose the ones we want, right? Um, and I tell my people, don't worry, we're not, we're only taking the good ones. But there's a lot of good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm excited for. Our potential growth for next year we have a lot under contract but that hasn't started yet i'm talking about getting emotional i our office i'm in my home office right now you know those on video can see <laughs> can see that beautiful my, artwork my, it's my kids art but um 
I've been working, we have our cabinet shop and we have an office there, but most of our people are working out of their trucks on job sites, which is normal for construction. But we're going to have a headquarters now. Um, we have a building on Heber Main Street in Utah. And um, we're, I was just there today, we're framing it right now in the next few months. We're going to have something that's that's ours. I mean, like, we're not selling anything out of it, but it's like brick and mortar, right? Right. It feels like a huge milestone for us. Comes with overhead, <laughs> right? But um, I'm excited for for just my team to have a place to call home, um, more so than just the job sites. You know what I mean? So that's really cool. Along with our awesome projects, um, like I said, we're we're doing the show. We're doing the show, um, and we have just. I'm just really excited about the trajectory of our company. The market is crazy. It's very busy. We have a lot of work. Maybe in two years, I'm begging to do basements, but I hope <laughs> I'm with the same team, right? Yeah. I hope I have all my same guys. Actually, I'm really excited for the guys we haven't even The people, men or women, we haven't hired yet. I'm excited for them to come on and be a part of what we're building because I think it's very, very cool, very, very promising. Um, I don't have all the answers, so that's why I'm always excited to bring in new talent, right? Um, every hire I've made has taught me how to run my company better. Um, and sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes, if we fail um, or if we're not doing something right, I, it's usually my fault. Like, it's something that I've either trained or something I've let happen. So I'm excited for the people we have in place now and the growth for the next you know several years actually but next year's an exciting year a lot of cool projects a lot of cool ones wrapping up um we're just we're just really fortunate got a baby another baby coming i got my my wife's birthday coming up it's just <laughs> i'm just pumped things are going well so that's good well i'm super I'm excited guy. Yeah, most definitely. And you know what? Luck is also, uh, you know, luck come, luck's earned, right? And, and I, you know, people that work hard and are good people and, and put a lot of good karma out there, you know, they, they, they create their own luck per se. And I mean, that's always been my view. But, but Tyler, you've been amazing. I can't think enough. I know you spend a lot of time. I know you're super busy. Um, you probably have Netflix calling, you know, so that's probably <laughs> got to get you off here. But, you know, for those listening, where can our listeners find you? Um, on Instagram, um, Killowin Construction, I'm, I'm working on kind of ramping up our, our Facebook and our website and all this stuff, but our, most of our work is on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, if you're in the Park City, Utah area within about 60 miles, we'd love to build a house for you. <laughs> <laughs> Great pitch there. I love that. And, and next time I get up to Park City, I'll definitely hit you up. We'll have to go for a home tour. But, but Tyler, I really appreciate making time. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, you thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And honestly, I, I am honored. I I I look up to you quite a bit. I tell people about my famous Arizona friend <laughs> So Well, there you go. We got we got two of us name dropping each other. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just gonna have all the links for the topics that we discuss and also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.